0: The title of my message, and I think many of you will find it absolutely hilarious. It's, what time is it? And uh, Tony, uh, where is he? Yeah, there he is. I know he's keeping, keeping watch on me with the clock. (laughs) But uh, no, really, it's it's a joy to be with you all this morning. Um, Let's go before the Lord once again. Father in heaven, thank you for this absolute privilege to call you our Father. Thank you once again for the reminder of what Christ accomplished and that his mission was completed on the cross. Thank you so much for raising him from the dead to prove that he was an acceptable sacrifice. Thank you. Thank you for the precious gift of your son. Oh Lord, help us this day, help us to magnify Christ, not only with our words, but with every opportunity that you give us Help us to magnify him with our very lives. And Lord, would you use a servant like me to help your people to see Christ this day. Lord, help us to behold him more this day than we did yesterday than we did last week, than we did last month. Help us to be conformed to his likeness. Help us to be transformed in his image because we are your people. We are your sons and daughters of the day. And it was your very own son's blood that was shed in order to make us adopted into your family. And so, Lord, we don't want to take that lightly. We want to be faithful ambassadors of Christ. And so would you help us now? Grant us grace to hear your word, Lord. And Father, may your people hear not me speaking, but that they would hear you speaking to their hearts. Lord, I pray especially for those amongst us this day who have yet to bow their knee and surrender their hearts unto Christ. Would you call them today, Lord? Do the work that only you do best. Transfer them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your son, your beloved son. God, we commit this word to you. We commit this message unto you. We commit our lives to you. And we ask it all by faith in a name that is above all names. Let all those who love the Lord Jesus Christ say amen. Amen, amen. amen. The old expression, it goes, uh, you can learn a lot about a person by the company that they keep. And you can equally learn a lot about a person by what they do with their time. We, if we were to do a survey, right, because we're in the DMV er, area and we love polls, you know what I'm saying? If we were to poll each and every one of us I'm sure we would all agree that time is a precious gift. It's a precious gift from the Lord, right? Yet we treat it so poorly. And as we are standing at the threshold of a new year, I thought it was only appropriate to share with you some encouragement through the life of a man. Though imperfect as as we are, he made the most of his time. Jonathan Edwards, the renowned American pastor and theologian of the early 1700s, At the age of 19, 19, okay? For all you parents who have teenagers, be encouraged. At the age of 19, he wrote 70 different resolutions that he made for himself to live as best as he could to glorify God. Here, I just wanted to share a few um, regarding his view on time management specifically. This is resolution number five. Resolved never to lose one moment of time but improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. Resolution number seven, never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Hmm. Resolution number 41, he says, to ask myself at the end of every day, week, month, and year, wherein I could possibly in any respect have done better. Have you ever asked yourself that? This man, having only lived 54 years, he accomplished far more than most who live twice his age. And I don't need to remind you that we live in a culture that draws us and lures us and tempts us into wasting time. And we have to fight that temptation every day. So how can we make sure that we are making the most of every opportunity that the Lord gives us? Well, I'm so glad you asked, loved ones, because I think the Apostle Paul, another imperfect man, yet a man greatly used by the Lord because he knew that he was one of the Lords and he wanted to make the most of his time. He has the answer for us this morning. And so would you join me now as you... Uh, Open up your copy of God's authoritative word to the book of Colossians chapter four, where we will, by God's grace, take a closer look at how we can glorify the Lord, our God, with our time. Amen? Amen. Colossians chapter four. And I'm going to pick up at verse two and the scripture reads as follows. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Praise God. So in Colossians chapter four, verses two through six, loved ones, we will observe two ways that you and I can make the most of every opportunity to glorify God in our life. Just two ways. I know some of you are relieved that is only a two point outline this morning. Shame on you. All right. I love you anyway. Anyway, uh, Colossians four, two through six. One way that we can glorify the Lord with our lives. Number one, be devoted to prayer. Be devoted to prayer. And number two, be discerning towards outsiders. Be discerning towards outsiders. So, before we parachute into this text, remember Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul and is considered one of his prison epistles, along with Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon. Paul wrote this letter around 60 AD, and it is named after the church in which it was addressed to in Colossae which was a city on the Lycus River in southeastern Asia, minor. And that w- that's what we know today as modern Turkey. Now, although Paul did not plant or visit this church, though he desired to, it is commonly believed that his fellow companion, Epaphras, heard the gospel through Paul's preaching in Ephesus and that he was responsible for planting this church. And now Paul's purpose for writing this letter was to confront the errors that were creeping into this church that taught that the gospel was not solely sufficient for salvation and that you needed something more. And these false teachings were like a fusion of Greek and, and Jewish philosophies attempting to mislead these Christians into believing that the work of Jesus Christ was not enough and that they still needed some special knowledge or they had to observe certain traditions or days and feasts, et cetera, et cetera, in order to be saved. Now, how did the Apostle Paul choose to correct these false teachings of salvation plus works. He focused on the supremacy and the deity of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Paul, with laser intensity, he points to Christological doctrine and the treasure of the gospel in chapters one and two. And then he provides practical exhortation on how to apply those truths in the remaining chapters three and four. Mm. Praise God. And which now brings us to our text. And let's look at it again. Colossians chapter four, verse two. And the word of the Lord says, continue steadfastly in prayer. So this is the first point of our outline, loved ones, be devoted to prayer, be devoted to prayer. And now the apostle Paul, he commanded uh, the Colossian church to devote themselves to prayer. In the word in Greek, it means to uh, be busily engaged in or to be devoted to something. And this is in the present tense and in the active mood in the imperative voice, which means that Paul was actually commanding this church to keep being devoted to prayer. And there was a sense of urgency in his instruction. And it's the same Greek word used in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. And I just want to quickly share that with you because uh, it's just a wonderful picture of men and women that were devoted to prayer. And the scripture reads, then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and James, excuse me, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas, the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Praise God. That was their prayer meeting. You all have a prayer meeting coming up. Make sure that you are a part of that meeting because much is accomplished in prayer. Paul also uses the same word in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And it's because the Apostle Paul, he wanted this church to be devoted to prayer. And that is the same thing that God wants us to be devoted today. And why? Because our God answers prayers. He answers prayers. That should bolden us. That should cause us to be more devoted to prayer. Remember that God delights in answering the cries of his children. And we see this in Psalm chapter 34, verses 15 through 17. The scripture says the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. If you are in Christ, loved ones, you, you have hope. You have hope that God promises to hear your cries, and that's a living hope. He may not answer your cry in the time that you want or the way that you want, but he does hear, and he will answer in the best way because he is good, and that should give us confidence. That should give us assurance. Our Lord, our God, he is good, and with promises like that, why are we not more devoted to prayer? And if I were to do another poll this morning, if I were to ask you, what were you devoted to yesterday? Or maybe this past week. What are you busily engaged in in this past month? I'm sure as we, again, are looking forward to New Year's, we have our New Year's resolutions, right? Some of us are resolved to get some things done this year, Lord willing. With what you were engaged in this past week, yesterday, this past month, is your goal, is it going to help you to look more like Jesus? Because that should be a goal for our lives. That's God's goal for our lives. He wants to conform us to the likeness of his son. That's his goal for our life. And that's a great goal for us as well. And we can see that accomplished when we devote ourselves to his word and when we devote ourselves to prayer. Loved ones, we need to take the time to honestly examine what is it that we are devoting our time towards. Because it matters not only now, but it will matter into eternity. Our world is so innovative. You notice all the technology that comes out. And it's all towards wasting time. You know it. You know it's true. Exhibit number one, entertainment. Ah. Oh. oh, we love to be entertained. Love to be entertained, right? We, unfortunately, can spend way too much time being entertained. And um, so funny. Um, we got quick time. How much, what time is it? What time is it, Tony? We, we got time. We got time. Tony says we got time. All right, Tony. Thank you. I'll just quickly share with you. I remember when I was um, younger in the faith and new husband, new dad. And, you know, what better time after you've you know, done all the changing diapers, washing dishes, you've done your honey do list. Right. What was the best way to spend my time? I would go into the basement and I would just say, OK, I'm going to go play my games now. I'll go play my video games, you know, and the wife, of course, you know, she was gracious. She'd let me go have my time, have my fun on my video games. Right now, I won't tell you what game it was. Um, If you're interested, you can ask me later. But anyway, no, no, no. Um, But I remember after I finally beat this game, it recorded um, because it would rank you, according to everyone else that was actually playing this game. And it would rank you on. Uh, how you what what time it took for you to accomplish this game and it showed you how much time you actually spent in the game. Yeah, somebody said, "Uh oh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I looked at that. I looked at that time and now we, we are Hope Bible Church, right? We, we are we are we believe the word of the Lord and that the Lord speaks to his word. Right. And if you want to hear the Lord speak loudly, you read his word loudly. Amen. Amen. All right. We know this to be true. But let me tell you, after I saw that time that I spent playing that video game, it was like the heavens opened up. (laughs) And it was like the Lord said, imagine if you had spent that much time in my word. Yeah, that cut. Imagine if you had spent that much time in prayer. Hmm. Loved ones, let us be diligent to encourage one another, to be devoted to making the most of our time by praying. Hmm. And how could we be on the topic of prayer and not reference my man, Ian Bounds? Amen, Pastor Plumlee, I know you're feeling this one. Amen. Ian Bounds in his work, the classic work, excuse me, the classic collection on prayer, he states prayer is the creator as well as the channel of devotion. The spirit of devotion is the spirit of prayer. Prayer and devotion are united as soul and body are united, as life and the heart are united. There is no real prayer without devotion, no devotion without prayer. Mm, Praise God, loved ones. We don't have time to be offering up prayerless prayers, as Ian e. Bounds says. And you know those prayerless prayers. You know, you want to throw up those quick, short and feeble prayers, you know, because you're too busy. You got so much demands on your time. I know. I know. But then we wonder, why is it that we fall victim to those same temptations? Why is it? Why is it? Because we're not devoting enough time to prayer. Now, the Apostle Paul, he doesn't only command the Colossian church to be devoted to prayer, but he's going to inform them on how they were to be devoted to prayer. And he tells them, going back to our text, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it. Mm. This is the posture of prayer. Now, why do you think the Apostle Paul told the Colossians this? Why do, you, why, do you think, why do you think he told this church this? It's for the very same reason that God is instructing us today, because our minds can drift when we pray. Some of your minds are probably drifting right now. You know, you're thinking about the games they're going to play tonight. Come on, stay focused. All right. Stay focused. All right. Now, Paul, his use of the word alert and instructing this church to be alert in their prayers is the same thing we see in Ephesians chapter six, verse 18. It says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and and petition for all the saints. Praise God. This church needed to be on the alert because of the impending threat of false teachings that were being spread. And it's the same thing that we see. The Lord Jesus Christ instructing his disciples on the night that he would be betrayed by Judas Iscariot. You remember In Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 46. And we must go there because this, this is us, loved ones. This is us. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. And the scripture says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. Even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further. Fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and he found them praying. No, right? (laughs) Your text doesn't say that, right? That's right. Neither does mine. He found them sleeping. Oh, loved ones, that's us. A little sleep, a little slumber. You ever try to be serious about your prayers? Get up early in the morning, you know, it's that New Year's resolution. I'm going to get up early in the morning. I'm going to pray. You get on your knees even. You open up the word because you want to pray the word. And after about five minutes, your mind starts drifting. And you may be right back asleep again. That's never happened to you. Mm -hmm. It's confession time. I know it's happened to me. My flesh is weak. But praise God for a willing spirit. Praise God for a willing spirit. A righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up. And we have to get up, loved ones. We have to be devoted to prayer. And the posture that we must take in our prayers, we must be alert in it because there are threats against us we know this we spoke about this the last time right we know our enemies and they don't want us praying but that's exactly why we need to be praying and we need to be alert in it amen amen Amen. and so now paul he not only commands the church to be devoted to prayer he not only teaches them the posture of prayer by being alert in it but now he's going to prescribe the attitude of prayer and so he tells them in the text, we'll just quickly read it again, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, oh, loved ones, thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful thing when our prayers are filled with thanksgiving. And this is the same word that Paul uses in excuse me, Philippians chapter four, verse six. We know this one. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And why with thanksgiving? Well, it's to keep us humble and to remind us that God is the only one that is worthy of hearing our prayers. And he's the only one who is mighty to answer our prayers. And we need to keep that in mind, that we are entering into the presence of the Holy of Holies. We're not talking to our homeboy or our girlfriend. We're talking to the King, the Lord God Most High. And we need to be very careful with our words. We need to be alert with what we are saying to the Lord our God. But we also especially need to be having our prayers flavored with thanksgiving. Because otherwise, it would just be, uh, we're just handing the Lord our to-do list. Hey, Lord, would you do this? Do that. And I need you to do this and I need you to do that. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. You remember the acronym for the model of prayer? Axe. I know you probably can't hear it because my New York is uh, is coming out. So it sounds like A-X-E, but it's actually A-C-T-S. Acts. Right. And, you know, the A, it stands for adoration. C is confession. T is thanksgiving and S is for supplication, right? It's just a model. It's not the only way to pray, but it is a good kind of framework to help you think through and to be alert in how is it that I'm praying? Do your prayers, do they only consist of S? Is it just give me this Lord, give me that, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Me, 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 me. Is that the only musical chord that you hear in your prayers? There's so much more to prayer. There's so much more to that. We should be adoring the Lord. I mean, reading the Psalms, it's a great way to flavor your prayers. When you go and see, man, how David just adored. I mean, Psalm 119, he was just, oh, just in love and in awe with God, right? That's a great way for us to make sure our prayers are sounding like that. Are we adoring the Lord? And of course, we need to be confessing. Praise God. Thank you so much, Pastor Gabe, for praying earlier. And any of us, you know, forget, we have all fallen sinned. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we need to be confessing our sin. Psalm 51, right? It's against the Lord and only against the Lord. That we have sinned and done that which is evil in his sight. We need to confess that. Because if we're harboring sin in our hearts. The Lord won't hear our prayers. You think you could just be loving darkness. And try to love Jesus at the same time. And still think it's going to go well. Mm -mm. No sir. The Lord loves you too much. And so like a father. Who corrects his children. And disciplines them because he loves them. The Lord will discipline us so that we could turn away from the things that his very son sacrificed himself to redeem us from. And so we can't be, you know, living fast and loose, thinking we can have both feet, one in the world and one in holiness. No, sir. No, we're not to be living like that. We're to live holy. And when we do. Oh, then we could thank the Lord and praise him. we know we don't deserve it Hmm. and don't forget to pray for the needs of the saints don't forget to pray for the needs of the saints i know the list can be long i know sometimes it can be overwhelming but remember god hears our prayers and he is mighty to answer Hmm. amen and so paul He moves from commanding this church to devote themselves to prayer, to describing, excuse me, to telling them the posture in which they were to pray, being alert in it. He described the attitude that they should have, that they should be doing it with thanksgiving. And now he's going to enlighten them on what their prayer list should consist of. He's going to tell them what to pray about. And here we see it in verse three. At the same time, pray also for us. Pray also for us. Right. What does Paul ask for that? God may open to us a door for the word. Hmm. Excuse me. So now remember, loved ones, Paul was a man that was devoted to prayer. He was devoted to prayer and he did not ask this church to do something that he himself was not already practicing or willing to do. And in Colossians chapter one, verse three. The Apostle Paul says, we give thanks to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Mm. And again, in verse nine, he says, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. The Apostle Paul, he never met this church. And yet, just hearing about them from Epaphras, he was praying for them. He was praying for them. Oh, loved ones. When you hear of the needs of the church, other churches, especially the persecuted church, you remember the song that Sister Ann Cain sang of the martyrs. You remember that song. Yeah. That's a heavy song. We don't like those lyrics, but some are singing it even now. And they need our prayers. They need our prayers. Hmm. I need your prayer right now. <laughs> Praise God. And so, Paul, he not only requested prayer for himself but he requested pray for us pray for us and this is intercessory prayer and i'm sure it included timothy that's he mentioned him earlier in the letter but knowing paul he's he's asking for prayer for all those who were involved in the expansion of god's kingdom through the proclamation of his gospel and so when he says pray for us oh he's there's a whole lot of that, a whole lot of people who were included in that us. And what does, what does Paul, what does your prayer request consist of, Paul, tell us? Hmm? Well, the text tells us that God may open to us a door for the word. Man, obviously, we know that Paul means this door in a figurative, in a figurative sense, right? And he'll use that same expression um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 through 9. He says, but I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective service has opened to me. And there are many adversaries. He says it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. Now, when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened for me in the Lord. Mm. Paul knew. He knew. He could have prayed for his release from prison. That's probably what you and I would be praying for. Right. It's like, get me out of here. Get me out of here. You know, but that's not the top of his list. He wants a door to be open for the gospel to go forth. Right. Even while he was in prison, he wanted God's word to go out. Because he knows that the gospel is not in chains, even though he was. And this, Lord, oh, this is so beautiful. This is evangelism, loved ones. This is evangelism. Paul was more concerned for souls hearing the word of God. Because he was a man that was confident in the word. He knew the word would not return to God void it will accomplish that which pleases him it will prosper in the thing for which he sent it and Paul wanted that word to run as far and as wide as it can possibly go because he wanted to see more being saved by the power of God's word another quote from Ian Bounds how far just praying for preachers help preaching? It helps them personally and officially. It helps them to maintain a righteous life. It helps them in preparing their message. And it helps the word preached by them to run to its appointed goal, unhindered and unhampered. Mm. I can't begin to tell you all how much I've been helped in my ministry, how much I've been helped in my family, how much I've been helped in my seminary studies. Because you, you love me, love my family enough to pray for us. Praise God. And aren't you, aren't you glad to know that we serve a God who hears and answers our prayers? Well, we need to rejoice in that. We don't, we don't pray like those who are mindless, throwing up words and chants, have no idea what they're saying, right? They don't know. It's not even going past the ceiling. We know our prayers, they're rising up before the very throne of heaven. It's like a sweet-smelling aroma in God's nostrils. My children are praying. My children are looking to me. They're depending on me to answer. Oh, loved ones, just think about that for one moment. Before you open your mouth, think about the creator, the one who spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. He inclines his ear to us. He hears us. How beautiful, how magnificent, how glorious our God. Bless his name. And what does Paul also ask for prayer? At the same time, verse 3, Paul says, Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Mm. He says it earlier in Colossians 1, chapter 1, verses 26 to 7. That mystery that is that is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but is now, excuse me, but has now been manifested to his saints, from whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is a mystery. That is a mystery. How is it, right? You heard us singing it earlier. God humbling himself, lowering himself, taking on the veil of human flesh, being conceived in the womb of the Holy Spirit in order to enter into our world, to identify with us, being truly human. But he had to come into our world in a very distinct way. In a miraculous way to prove that he is also not like us being truly deity, being conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a virgin. Who does that? What a mystery. And it doesn't end there. Praise God. He didn't stay a babe in the manger, but he grew in wisdom and in stature. And all throughout his life, not once violating God's holy commandments, not violating God's word, always knowing that he had a mission to fulfill. His life would be laid down on the cross to receive a penalty that he did not deserve. He who knew no sin became sin. On our behalf, that we might have the righteousness of God, as 2 Corinthians 5.21 teaches. We know we had no righteousness of our own, but Christ transferred his perfect righteousness to our bankrupt account. And when he died on that cross, praise God, that it didn't end there. But he rose. He rose from the grave. Mm. And even then, it didn't end there. Praise God. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father even now. What's he doing? He's praying for us. (sighs) And we need it. We need it. We need it. (laughs) And Paul, he prayed. He asked for prayer that I may make it clear. In the way I ought to speak. Loved ones, this is Paul. Right? 13 books of the New Testament, right? 14 if you, right? If you want to argue for Hebrews, some of you may be, you know, thinking that's Paul. We could could talk about that. I don't know. You know? But this is Paul. Taken up to the third heaven, Paul. Allowed to see things that no man has ever seen. And he returned. And guess what? The Lord didn't permit him to talk about it. So all those books that talk about, oh, I've been to heaven and all these YouTube you know, videos. Oh, I've been to heaven and I come. Nah, stop it. Stop it. You lying and you need to confess. All right. You ain't see nothing. OK, but Paul, he saw it and he was not permitted to talk about it. Right. This is Paul. OK. I mean. I, I love, you know, I love. You know, the whole scene of, uh, you know, in the book of Acts with the seven sons of Shiva. Right. And those those guys, they go out and they thought that they could, you know, they thought they could do what Paul did. Right. So they're like, hey, um, yeah. So, you know, we uh, we're going to command this demon to come out in the name of uh, Jesus and this Paul, you know, whom Paul preaches about. Right. And what did that demon say? He said, um, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I recognize, but who are you? <laughs> and he leaked on those boys and beat them something serious, right? Oh, if you don't know about it, you better read it. You better read it. It's, I love it. I love it, man. I, I mean, come on, man. Why, why Why? some of these Christian films? Do that scene, man. I want to see that scene. Do it good. You know what I mean? Do it right. You know, you know, seven sons of Sheba all coming in looking holy, looking righteous, Boom, get out of here, boy. You don't know what you're talking about, you know? All right, all right. I done done got off track. I'm sorry. How much time I got, Tony? How much time? Time? Tony says, (laughs) I got plenty of time, plenty of time. All right. And so this is Paul. And yet he's not trusting. He's not trusting in himself. He's not trusting in his abilities. His trust was in the Lord. Now with Paul can ask for prayer, that he would make it clear as he ought to speak. Loved ones, how much more should we be praying for our pastors? How much more should we be praying for our missionaries, for our evangelists, for ourselves? We need it. We need it. So, We've now reached the final point of our outline. Be discerning towards outsiders. Be discerning towards outsiders. And we see this in verse five. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. And now in Greek, it literally literally reads, in wisdom, walk. And this is not the first time that Paul instructed believers on the importance of living wisely. You heard it earlier, as Pastor Gabe read, Ephesians chapter 5. And let's just go back to verse 15. It says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Verse 16, making the most of your time because the days are evil. The days are evil. And just as Paul commanded the church in Ephesus to conduct their lives wisely, so he's going to command this church in Colossae. Now, what does that mean exactly? How do we walk in wisdom? Well, we have to remember that the Bible calls anyone who does not believe in God a fool. Right? Psalm 14, 1. Right? The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Furthermore, regardless of whether... I don't care who it is, if they have all these degrees behind their name, if they don't believe in God, they are a fool. And so we don't want to follow the fools in this world, right? Proverbs 1.7 reminds us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning, the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so wisdom is a blessing from the Lord. It's great to have knowledge But it's even greater to have that knowledge applied to your life, which is wisdom. Many people know that there is a God, but they don't submit to him. And that's foolish. And so, loved ones, we want to make sure that as we are living wisely, where is the source of our instruction on how to do that? It's God's word. That's how we're going to learn to live wisely, right? James talks about this in chapter three. He says, who among you is wise in understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. He continues in verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits unwavering without hypocrisy. That's wisdom, loved ones. That's wisdom. Mm. And Paul knew that these believers in Colossae, they were being attacked with false teachings and it was causing them to doubt whether Christ's death and his burial and resurrection was enough to save them from an eternity in hell. And he knew that they were trying to razzle and dazzle these Christians with, you know, their supposed knowledge and their supposed wisdom and he says in chapter 2 excuse me verse 23 the apostle paul says they have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body but they are no they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh paul saw right through these false teachers he knew what they were trying to present and it was foolishness true wisdom is looking at christ True wisdom is looking at the very embodiment of wisdom, Christ Jesus himself, in which all the fullness of the treasures, all the fullness of deity dwells. That's wise. You remember the theologian Robert Murray McShane? He says, you take one look at yourself, particularly when you sin. Take an honest look at yourself. But he said, take 10 looks at Christ. We need to be looking at Christ. We need to be fixing our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith. For the more that we look upon him and behold him and treasure him in our hearts, we are going to find that the things of this world are going to grow strangely dim. We're not going to want to walk in that foolishness that we were once walking in. We're going to want to turn away from those things and walk in wisdom. Is that the desire of your heart? Do you want to walk in wisdom? Because God wants you to walk in wisdom. He wants you to. And when we do so, when we walk in wisdom, particularly when we are discerning towards outsiders, that's how we're making the best use of our time. And these outsiders, these are people that unfortunately have not yet trusted in Christ. They have not yet believed the gospel. And so therefore they are on the outside. They are on the outside. They do not understand. Jesus pointed this out in Mark chapter 4 verses 10 through 12. He says, as soon as he was alone, his followers along with the 12 began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables so that while seeing they may see and not perceive and while hearing they may hear and not understand otherwise they might return and be forgiven there are people that are on the outside of the household of faith and we were once like them we were once like them but praise god he brought us on the inside And it was his doing before the very foundation of the world. And Ian Bounds, once again, another one. I mean, this is just, this is too rich to not share. Ian Bounds says, before we can talk to men about God, we need to talk to God about men. We need to be praying, praying for our families, praying for our friends, praying for our coworkers and those who we desire to see. Them be removed from being on the outside to now being on the inside. Hmm. And although we understand that God is sovereign over that, people still have a responsibility to respond. That's a mystery. I can't explain it. But God, He does save, He does bring people from the outside and bring them on the inside. And so we need to be praying and we need to be making sure that we are not being foolish. And I know that's easier said than done. (laughs) I know that's easier said than done, right? But in our making the most of every opportunity, literally redeeming the time when we do that, right? God uses that. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are billboards. Our speech, it's very important. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is coming out of your mouth when you are speaking to your family, when you are speaking to these people that you desire to see from the outside come on the inside? Are you speaking the truth and love to them? Are you proclaiming the gospel to them? Because Paul says, our speech is always to be with grace as though seasoned with salt. So that you will know how to respond. How you should respond to each person. And I know. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. It's the same thing that I think. But I've failed. So many times. I've dropped the ball. Once again. I've missed so many opportunities. Have you ever felt that? Not to mention we have the constant pressure, right? When we do something good for someone who's on the inside, it's like it's written in sand. Here today, gone tomorrow. But when you and I do something foolish, oh. Ding 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 ding. Ding 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 ding. Ding 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 ding, ding, ding. written in stone. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> Lend me your ear. On this day of our Lord, you know. <laughs> oh, they remember. They remember. When they start getting ready to throw stones at you, just remind them I never claimed to be perfect. I never claimed to be perfect. But praise God, I'm saved from an eternity in hell from the one who is perfect. And you need to know him. You need to know him so that you can have assurance of being forgiven, even though you have dropped the ball far more than me. Or maybe just as much as me. But there is a merciful God. And a broken and a contrite heart. He will not despise. But you got to come to him. And I'm bidding you. I am begging you. To come to him. Now is the time. Now is the time. And speaking of time. Are you with me, loved ones? Are you still here? All right. Hang in there. Hang in there. I want to share this with you. John MacArthur tells the story. In one of the cities of of ancient Greece stood a statue carved by Lysippos, a famous Greek sculptor from the 4th century B.C. The statue had wings on its feet and a great lock of hair on its forehead. And was bald on the back of his head. And this is how it was described. Who was thy sculptor? Lysippos. And who art thou? Occasion, the all-subduer. Why hast thou wings on thy feet? I fleet on the wings of the wind. And thy hair, why grows it in the front? For him that meets me to seize... And why is the back of thy head bald? Because none may clutch me from behind. Howsoever he desire. When once my winged feet have departed past him. Loved ones. We need to be making the most of our time. We need to be buying back that time that we so oftentimes have lost. And we do that by being devoted to prayer. But we also do that by being discerning in our interactions with outsiders. We need to be discerning. The Lord is giving us opportunities. We may not see them always as opportunities. We see them sometimes as inconveniences. We see them sometimes as hindrances. I'm busy. I got to do this. I got to do that. You're getting in my way. I got things that I need to do. I don't have time for this phone call. I don't have time for this text. I don't have time for this email. Slow down. Slow down. That may be an opportunity that the Lord is giving you and you may be the only Bible that somebody may actually read. Let them see. Let them see Christ in you. Let them see that you are broken just as they are. But praise God, you know somebody. And he isn't just anybody. He is the king of kings. He is. The Lord of lords. Take advantage of those opportunities, loved ones. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And so. Yes, yes, I know it's time. I know it's time. Turn off that alarm already. All right. Because it's time to hear the word of God. That's what it's time for. All right. Oh, all right. But no, all jokes aside, we know, right? Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for everything, right? We know, there's a time for everything. And I just want you to take an honest look at how you spent your, your time this past week. And think about this. Do you want that to be the same way this week? Because if the Lord wills and he gives you this time, please, my prayer for you and my prayer is that you would also pray for me and that we would make the most of that time. Make the most of those opportunities. And for those of you who are here today, you think that the Lord is going to just give you a lot of time to come to him. Please hear me. don't know that. That's not a guarantee. And so as you have time right now, behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. Don't put it off to 2024. Death may come for you at 1159 p.m. Don't gamble. Don't mock the Lord. He never loses. Come to him today. He will gladly receive you. And if you have any questions about that, I would love to talk to you about that. And there are many other men of God here, brothers and sisters in Christ, who would love to talk to you about that. Please, don't leave out these doors the same way you came in. Turn to him today. If you don't have... The guarantee that when you die, that you are guaranteed to be absent from the body and present with the Lord, which is a promise from his word. If you don't have that guarantee, don't put it off. Get right With the Lord today. So that you. Can know. The Lord who has saved you. The one who literally. Redeemed you. He bought you. With his very own blood. There's no greater joy than that. Whatever. Whatever it is you spent your time. You've wasted your time doing There's No. It will never, never satisfy you. It will never satisfy you like knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and believing His gospel. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Praise God. Let's pray, loved ones. Father in heaven, thank you for your everlasting word. Thank you for your all sufficient word. And we just thank you, Lord for your grace that you allowed us to look into your word this day and to be reminded that our time, it's not our time, it's yours. It belongs to you, but it's a resource that you've entrusted to our care. And we are called to be good stewards of that. And so Father, please forgive us. Forgive us for the times that we have oftentimes wasted your time. God help us to invest our time Help us to be more faithful by being devoted to prayer because you accomplish so much when we humble ourselves and go and go before your throne of grace on our knees. God, help us to be more devoted to prayer this day and help us to be more discerning. Help us to be more discerning with our speech. Help us to be more discerning with our actions. So that when we come amongst those who yet do not know you, who are still on the outside, that they would see that there is a light in our life. And that you would work in their heart and in their conscience that they might even ask, why is it that you are different? And Lord, would you give us boldness? Would you help us to sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts? That we would be prepared to give a response of the hope that is within us. And that hope is Christ. And help us to boldly proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Help us, Lord. We ask this by faith in the name that is above all names. Let all those who love the Lord Jesus Christ in the name that is only able to save. Say amen. Amen Amen and amen. Praise God, loved ones.